Some topics discussed on Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast can be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and all month long we have been bringing you cases and stories surrounding sexual assault. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because as far as we know right now in the case, it does not involve specific sexual assault. However, April 11th through April 17th is International Anti-Street Harassment Week. This story does involve feelings of being unsafe for a woman to be walking alone on a street. And unfortunately, a lot of times, street harassment coincides with sexual violence. And this case specifically has brought about a lot of outrage and a lot of advocacy for bringing more awareness to the subject of street harassment and what it can become down the road. Welcome to episode 45 of Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I am solo today. Again, Dan is at work, so it is unfortunately just an opportune time for me to record while he is busy doing his thing and uh, getting a new episode out to you guys. So today's episode is going to cover the murder of Sarah Everard. Being that this week is International Anti-Street Harassment Week, a lot of articles and blogs and podcasts and everything are discussing the case of Sarah Everard because of the circumstances that surrounded her disappearance and her murder. Hollaback and Cornell University started a research survey on street harassment in 2014. Part one reviewed data from the United States, and part two was a cross-cultural analysis of street harassment from 42 cities around the globe. This was released in May of 2015. Over 16,600 respondents were part of this survey, and these are the results. The majority of women globally experience their first street harassment during puberty. Over 50% of women in 22 countries have reported being fondled or groped. 71% of respondents globally report being followed. And then specifically for Europe, because that is where our case takes place, on average, more than 81.5% of European women have been harassed before the age of 17. So into our case. On the night of March 3rd, 2021, 33-year-old marketing executive Sarah Everard disappeared in South London. 
she had been at a friend's house and decided she was going to walk home. The distance between the two is approximately one mile, so it shouldn't have taken her very long to get where she was going. And it was probably a route that she had taken before, being that she lived so close to her friend. Unfortunately, that evening, she never made it home. While on her walk, she chose to walk along well-lit streets, and she was on the phone with her boyfriend during her walk. However, even with these safety precautions, she still was not able to make it home. She was last seen on a busy South London street just after 9.30 p.m., but after that, she just seemed to disappear. Along her walk, she was seen on a doorbell camera from Poinders Road, and approximately four minutes later, she was also seen on a dash cam from a passing police vehicle. Also, CCTV footage from a bus passing her caught her walking on her route. While on the phone with her boyfriend, she agreed to meet him the following day. And when she never showed for her meeting with him on March 4th, her boyfriend contacted police. One week after Sarah's disappearance, police searched Hodes Wood near Ashford, Kent, and found human remains in a large builder's bag. They also searched a garage that was linked to a possible suspect at the top of the White Cliffs, which are next to St. Martin's Battery, overlooking Dover Harbor. And that Friday, March 12th, they had officially identified the remains as Sarah Everard. On March 9th, a day before the remains of Sarah were found, a Kent police officer, Wayne Cousins, from the Metropolitan Police Constable and Firearms Unit, was arrested in connection with her disappearance. He had been arrested on suspicion of kidnapping. At this point, they had not found her remains and they had no reason to believe that she had been murdered. So he was only arrested on suspicion of kidnapping. However, when her remains were found, he was re-arrested on suspicion of murder. On March 12th, Cousins was officially charged with kidnapping and murder of Sarah Everard. His plea hearing is set for July 9th. And his provisional trial is set for October 25th. So, of course, as we tell you with every single one of these cases that we are following, once we find out updates or when uh, things are happening at full speed, uh, again, right now, courts are still a little all over the place because of COVID. Um, but once we find out any updates or, you know, once the trial begins, we will definitely be bringing information to you all so that you can keep up to date with us as well. And of course, all the references that I use, I will put in the show notes so you can follow along there as well. So while we are not informed at all whether there was sexual assault involved in this case, 
and I am having a hard time finding out how exactly Sarah was murdered. I wanted to bring this case to the forefront. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about it right now because it is International Anti-Street Harassment Week, which coincides, unfortunately, with sexual violence against women. The reason there is such outrage with this case is because, A, it is a, it's perpetrated by a police officer, and B, it is essentially blaming the victim again. There are a lot of, of officers over in the area where this happened that, of course, are saying, you know, for women to be safe and not to be walking around outside alone, and that happened during the investigation when they didn't know who the perpetrator was but it's it's kind of like I said with the last episode that if we keep perpetuating that the victim has to keep herself safe then we're never going to stop the problem we're never going to get to the root of the reason this is all happening and that's because people in these societies believe that they can just take this control over whomever they want. And that's not how this should be. We should be teaching the people who are potential perpetrators to take no as an answer, to not harass people, to not confront people when they feel like they're being slighted, to not try to take control of the situation when it's clearly not a situation for them to be involved in, to not touch people without their consent. All of these things, we should be teaching people to essentially keep to themselves. And there's so much outrage surrounding this case in particular because it really just tries to put the blame on Sarah for walking home at night. Women should be allowed to go outside and walk around whenever they want. There are cases constantly about a woman who's, you know, jogging or or just walking around her neighborhood or whatever it is and she is sexually assaulted or or killed. And Again, we we then start to tell women, oh, well, you know, you need to be careful when you go out. Maybe you shouldn't go out. Maybe there should be a curfew. Maybe you should have a buddy with you. Sarah took a lot of these precautions. She walked on busy streets. She walked on well-lit streets. She had a, a conversation with her boyfriend while she was walking, yet she still was abducted and murdered. And There's no amount of victim blaming that's going to make all of this stop. The victim blaming just makes victims not want to come forward when things like this happen. And then it just gets swept under the rug. Nobody knows that it's happening at the rate that it actually is. And then we just go on with our daily lives thinking it's not a big problem. It is a huge problem. It is a huge problem. And... That's where the the outrage is coming from when it comes to this kind of situation. As I mentioned, we don't know a whole lot surrounding the particulars of her murder, but she was identified via dental records, which is usually done when the body is either too badly decomposed or too 
mutilated essentially um, to be identified by other markers like their face or something like that. Considering she was only gone for a week before they found her, I can't imagine she had decomposed that quickly, um, especially because it was March. I'm going to assume the weather was slightly cold, which would slow down decomp. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she may have been severely beaten and they were not able to identify her because her face maybe just was too disfigured to be identified solely on that. Obviously, we will find out much more, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. And once the trial hits and we start to hear the facts of the case. While I don't normally like to discuss the perpetrator specifically in these cases, I think that it's important to talk about Cousins in this case because he was a police officer. And I think that we really need to hold them to a higher standard because they specifically should know better than to do the things that some of these officers do. And what we do know about him is is kind of disturbing. So first of all, he's 48 years old. He is a married father. <laughs> um, and he was actually off duty the night of her disappearance. So that begs the question, did she know he was an officer? Was he pretending to be on duty the night that he kidnapped her? Or did she not know he was an officer and he wasn't using that as a ruse? I'm going to say he may have been using it. I don't know 100%. But usually people in authoritative positions like that will use that to gain control over their victim. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did tell her he was an officer and she needed to come with him. Maybe he was you know, telling her he was going to give her a ride. Again, we don't really know a whole lot about the circumstances that surrounded this. But we do know that he perpetrated something that nobody should. But a police officer is someone that we're supposed to be able to trust. And when we find out these stories, even more so when it comes to somebody in a position like that we start to lose faith and trust in the people we are supposed to trust most. Cousins is married to a woman named Elena, who is a 38-year-old laboratory manager, and they have two children together. Now, the interesting part of this is that authorities have said that a woman in her 30s was also arrested at the same address where Cousins was arrested, which is their home, on suspicion of assisting Cousins. But this 30-year-old woman who re remains nameless was released on bail until mid-April. So that could be his wife. So his wife could have had something to do with this as well. And I'm sure we will find out more about that as soon as authorities are able to release her name. 
Another disturbing piece about what we know about Cousins is that on February 28th, the Metropolitan Police received an allegation that Cousins himself had exposed himself in front of a woman at a fast food restaurant. However, of course, despite the complaint, he continued to work. He was never suspended. He was never fired. He was never brought up on disciplinary action. None of that happened. A police watchdog is actually investigating the incident and how his colleagues handled receiving the report. The incident was captured on CCTV and was reported by staff at the time that it happened. This report claims that the complaint had not reached, quote, command level, and his colleagues are unlikely to have been aware of the allegation. And this is according to the Daily Mail and The Sun. And again, I will um, link all of these in the show notes. So we find out that before he even kidnapped and murdered someone, he was reported for indecent exposure. So that is a violation of a sexual nature. If you expose yourself, that is sexual harassment. So we're already seeing that he has a tendency towards sexual violence or harassment, depending on which way you look at it. So I wouldn't be surprised if we later find out that some sort of sexual battery happened in the case of Sarah. Now, it begs the question, if he had been brought up on disciplinary action, would the event have taken place with Sarah? My guess is it probably still would have, depending on if he was arrested for what he did versus not arrested for what he did. So if a report is made and he is, you know, put on administrative leave or something like that, he could still obviously go out and perpetrate against people. He's still out in society. Being that he was not on duty when he kidnapped and murdered Sarah, it very well could have happened in him just going out and finding somebody to perpetrate against. However, if they had worked through this and decided that it was something that should be, you know, should charges should be brought for, then he could have been placed in jail and could have been held there for a period of time. Unfortunately, he probably would have made bail or something like that. This probably would have had um, low bail set for it. But at least maybe it wouldn't have allowed him to be out the night that he was out to get Sarah. This happened three days prior to Sarah's disappearance. So it very well could have stopped that from happening. It's frustrating because we talk about so many of these cases where an officer just keeps escalating and nothing is done when uh, initial reports are brought in because they're not taken seriously. 
he exposed himself to somebody like that's that's serious, I think. <laughs> and I think that most of you out there listening to this would also agree that that is not an OK thing to do. It's it's such a violation. So the fact that the police found out about it, there was a report made. They didn't do anything about it. You know, we have to hold them accountable as well. The whole of the police department, everyone who found out that there was a complaint against him should be held accountable for the fact that they didn't do anything about it. So could it have stopped the murder? I don't know. But we have to start somewhere. So when these officers have any sort of complaint or report against them, that has to be looked into. Because again, like I said before, they should be held to a higher standard than civilians. They are the protectors. They have the authority and the control, and they are supposed to be the ones that we trust. If we cannot trust them, everything is broken down. We have to make sure that we are holding them accountable so that nothing further can happen. Now we find out what kind of person he is because he murdered someone. Allegedly. I mean, he murdered someone. But maybe it couldn't have, it wouldn't have come to this had he actually been brought up on disciplinary action when the complaint was filed for indecent exposure. So going back to the case with Sarah specifically, this is why I'm talking about it during this International Anti-Street Harassment Week. It seems as though this was a stranger attack. Police have said that they have found no link between Cousins and Sarah prior to the murder. He was probably driving down the road, saw her, and took the opportunity. This is what happens all the time when women are out alone. And I am not going to throw out the, you should not be walking alone. You you should be able to do whatever it is that you want to do that makes you feel comfortable. If you feel comfortable going out for a jog by yourself, you know, throwing in your earbuds, listening to a podcast, you should not be bothered doing that. So this whole week is supposed to bring awareness to the fact that Women should be allowed to just be out and live their lives. The fact that we're constantly being told, you have to do this, you have to do that, means that we're not allowed to live our lives the way that we want to live our lives. We are being controlled, yet the perpetrators are not. And that is the issue. And that is why this International Anti-Street Harassment Week is created and is here because we need to teach people they cannot take it upon themselves to disrupt someone else's life just because they want that control. And that goes for so many other crimes as well. But in this specific case, women should be allowed to just live and should not be in fear that they're going to be harassed, raped, murdered, just because they are going for a walk. We never tell men to be careful when they're going out for a walk by themselves. Don't 
we don't tell them bring a buddy, you know, bring mace with you, bring a taser with you. We don't tell them that. We tell women. And it's part of this whole victim blaming conspiracy that's going on. <laughs> I don't want to use that word, but it's just it's really sad that we can't get to the root of the problem. And in one of the articles, I can't remember which one it was that I was looking at, somebody had mentioned, you know, why can't we have a curfew for men? Why can't we have a curfew for people who tend to be the perpetrators? Let's say women can go out at all hours whenever they want to and they can live their lives. But, you know, maybe 9 p.m., 10 p.m., we don't allow men out anymore. And that would probably cut down on a lot of this. But we really have to teach them when they're young and and have them grow up knowing this is not okay behavior and this is not how a, a good person behaves. And we need to teach them respect, how to respect others, respect for themselves and consent. And that's a huge part of all of this. And so this correlates to sexual violence because a lot of sexual harassment on the street can actually become something greater. Another study done by StopStreetHarassment.org was a 2,000-person national study in the U.S., and they found that 65% of all women had experienced street harassment and that 23% had been sexually touched, 20% had been followed, and 9% had been forced to do something sexual. And again, this is a 2,000-person study. This is only in the U.S., and these are of the cases that are being reported. We can expect this to be much higher than what we are finding in these actual studies. And if you're asking what street harassment is, it can involve anything from leering and whistling to sexist comments, vulgar gestures, sexually explicit comments, and kissing noises. And then there's even further where it's being followed. Your path is being blocked. You're sexually touched or grabbed or groped. Um, you are the target of public masturbation or, to the fullest extent, actual assault. These happen constantly. I think there was actually a video out, I think it was, maybe it was last year, when a woman was being, I think, catcalled in somewhere in Europe, I believe, and she wasn't responding. And so the man decided to come over and, and punch her because she wasn't responding to him. This is what we're talking about. This has to end. The fact that she didn't want to acknowledge him because he was being disrespectful to her, he then thought that he deserved a response for being disrespectful and so came over and assaulted her. And that's why we need to talk more about these these cases. That's why we need to inform the public that we need to teach respect and consent. And it's not okay for street harassment to happen. And if a woman wants to go take a walk, go take a walk. I'm not going to say don't be safe while you do it because you should. Everyone should be safe when they're out walking. I mean, anything can happen. You could be 
hit by a car, unfortunately. I mean, anything can happen. So just be aware of everything that's going on around you in case something other than, you know, possibly being abducted could happen. But just we should be able to live our lives. And unfortunately, Sarah was not able to do that because somebody took it upon himself to just see what he wanted and took it. And that is not okay. Especially because this man was an authority figure and somebody that we we should be able to trust. So I think that's it for today's episode. I will, of course, put everything in the show notes for you. And if you or someone you know would like to share a story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. You can find us on all major podcast platforms and you can find all of our socials at our bite size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash blackbirdadvocacy. So until next time, stay safe, be aware of your surroundings, and continue to social distance and try to get vaccinated when you are eligible, which should be very soon. So be safe. See you next time.